Hello, my friends. Welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur. This is season five, episode six. Now, if you're listening to this right when it comes out, a very Merry Christmas to you. This is the last episode to come out right before the holiday. And man, the 2020 Christmas season is a strange one, isn't it? I I don't know how you're feeling. Uh, If you're feeling okay, if you're feeling sad, uh, maybe it means you're listening to more podcasts at this time than you normally would have time for if you would be surrounded by people all the time. But hey, we're just glad you're here however you find yourself and just reminded again and again that Jesus is light and hope and good news of great joy for all people even in and especially in actually a dark or a hard or a lonely time. So hey if you're feeling a little lonely or disconnected in the work that you're doing or the passion you have in this world of digital and digital church and evangelism and discipleship I'd love for you to join the digital church Facebook group. There's about 600 of us now in the group and it's just a group of people who are connecting and having conversations, sharing resources, asking questions of one another, and all the good things that a community group like that can do to resource you, to leverage your knowledge, share with one another, and hey, hopefully make some friends along the way. So you can click the link in the show notes for Digital Church Facebook group, or just if you're on Facebook and you type in the search Digital Church, you're going to find the group. Also, if you haven't yet, I'd love for you to check out the weekly video tutorials that we've been doing. By the end of the year, we'll have 12 videos out at wordmadedigital.com slash tutorials. Or, I mean, you could just find us on YouTube if you look up my name or Joanna LaFleur, or if you look up Word Made Digital, you're going to find these videos. We'll link it down in the show notes, of course, as well. But we hope these tutorials uh, will help churches, will help you, and will help people that you know who are trying to figure out communications and strategy and digital and maybe have never been trained in any of that. So we hope that those videos will help you. Today on the podcast, we have Mike Carmody. He's the Executive Director of Marketing and Digital Growth at Compassion Canada. The reason I have him on is because actually this is like a brand new role, a reconfiguring of everything that they're doing over at Compassion Canada because digital has changed so much of how they do their work in 2020. And so I wanted to have him on because I wanted to get inside his brain about that change. And basically, we're going to have a really interesting conversation around how the charity space has changed. There's a ton of information we can learn from him. He's just a super smart, experienced guy in the world of tech. And then more than that, he's going to be talking about risk and risk taking and why charity must take more risk in 2021. Thank you, of course, the sponsors that make this possible. To Wycliffe College, uh, my alma mater, the school that I attended for my own Master's of Theological Studies. If you go to wycliffecollege.ca slash we're made digital, though, they want to send you some swag. You can not only just find out more info about the school if you're interested in exploring training for ministry or for missions work, or maybe you're just looking at developing your own relationship with Jesus or you're considering an academic career, whatever it may be, consider Wycliffe on the list of schools if you're looking for a place to study. And hey, as I said, if you go to the website, you can get some free swag if you let them know that you drop by. So that's kind of fun too. Thank you, of course, to Compassion Canada who makes this podcast possible in season five as well. I mean, this year has been, as we've already said, just a crazy different kind of a year. And uh, Compassion has been on the ground, the local church, 
working in the local church through the local church to serve the needs of children and their families in just huge crisis, the domino effect of COVID in these communities from not just like having to stay home, but how that affects income, how that affects families, how that affects health, education, stability of all kinds. Uh, it's been huge and pretty devastating and we would love you to be involved. There's all kinds of ways that you can get involved. Go to compassion.ca slash gifts. If you are last minute Christmas gift shopping, hey, it's a great place to do that. But any time of year, if you want to make a donation for yourself or on behalf of someone else, compassion.ca slash gifts is a fun way to say uh, that you bought a goat or chickens or maybe a well or some uh, COVID, you know, sanitation hygiene supplies or uh, whatever it may be, whatever your interests are, there's probably going to be something there that's a good fit for you, the person that you're giving a gift to. And you can make a huge difference in a Christmas that's uh, really different. All right, coming up right now on the podcast, we have Mike Carmody, and we're going to be talking about marketing and digital growth in the charity space and how to pivot. Let's go. Welcome to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. You're listening to Season 5, sponsored by Compassion Canada and Wycliffe College. Word Made Digital brings you interviews with Christian creatives and communicators to inspire, challenge, and equip you in your own work. The church has the best news in the world, so we want to help you be the best communicators in the world. Here we go. Mike Carmody, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm really glad to have you here on the podcast yeah, today. It's exciting to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. It's be good. Okay, before we go too far, maybe you can explain, give us a bit of your um, your context. Like, what is your mm-hmm. job? And then I want to know how you ended up here. Like, what has sort of been the career trajectory for you in tech? Yeah, so the, it's a good question. So the uh, the job as it is right now is called uh, Executive Director of Marketing and Digital Growth, which sounds great. Um, basically, uh, we've we made the decision to try to bring together technology and IT our data group, our data insights, and uh, data science, if you will. I use that very loosely. And uh, and our marketing team, brand, content, all together to try to solve for how do we deliver great experience and tell our story really well to Canadians. That's the, the short version. Um, it's new. We've just made this move. Uh, prior to that, uh, I was running the IT and the data piece uh, and a little bit of the digital side. And so, you know, for us at Compassion Canada, we've been... Uh, kind of laser focused in the last in this season of how do we deliver great experience to drive uh, our ministry and um, and so out of that came this decision to bring these two groups together and uh, it was a natural for me it felt natural at least uh, I've been in the digital space whatever that means that changes of course uh, almost daily now what that means but I've been doing that for about 20 years now uh, hard to believe um, and seen it kind of evolve continually and exponentially evolve what we even mean by digital before it was just, mm. you know, a website was an electronic brochure and we felt good about that. And now you have this engaging tool set that you can, that you can amplify your, your messaging with. So, uh, that's the space I've been in for again, the last 20 years or so. Um, and so it was a natural progression when, when I came to compassion and, and started talking with Allison about some of these changes. You know, that's, I mean, that's a great question. Maybe before we go too far, we should define that a little more because you're right. The word digital is a broad term. 
Um, and we use it on this podcast to to reference lots of different yeah. things because it's talking about word made digital. And so, um, in your world, mm-hmm. when you say digital, what what does that yeah. even mean? So, yeah, it's <laughs> such a good question. And the beauty of it is, yeah, we all have I think certain uh, different definition and a different way of approaching it. For me, what it's become to mean is, you know, we have technology, and we've always tried to align technology and digital as the same thing. But I think technology is the tool set. It's those decisions and things we decide to use, whether it's a type of website, whether it's a piece of software, where digital is how we use them. And more specifically, I think what it's evolving into is how we use those different technologies to engage with our either our supporters our customers. Uh, we don't always love that word in charity space, but uh, you know what I mean. Um, whether we use it to engage yeah. with each other internally or our beneficiaries. So to me, digital is really the this beautiful big opportunity to use tech in a way that drives you know your ultimate mission and vision of your organization. So that's all. <laughs> well, and and it's yeah. I mean, yeah, that's just all. That. Just that big giant thing, <laughs> you know. But uh, as you say, technology is changing all the time, and one of the challenges I think a lot of people encounter in the charity space, the church space, the you know, the Christian non for profit work is that um, technology is changing rapidly, and how do we keep our skill set? Yeah up with it. Um, so what do you, what, what do you guys do for that? I mean, um, just maybe for yourself, how are you trying to stay current, but also, um, but also, you know, for your team, are you, are, is that where you hire in consultants or are you going to, you're taking courses yeah. or you're reading a lot of nerdy yeah. books? <laughs> yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, any and all of those things, uh, it, you're right. It, it, it changes at such a rapid pace. And again, I think that change is exponential, certainly in the last four or five years, definitely in the last eight months. So I think, you know, especially in the charitable space, I think we have to give ourselves a little bit of freedom and, and be okay with the fact that we're not always going to be like leading, bleeding edge it, within your team. It's almost impossible now to be that way. So yeah, you have to be okay with um, learning. So we use lots of language like innovation, uh, agile, being agile, being a bit bold and risky, being okay with failure. All those things sound great in a document or on an article, but to put them in practice is a whole nother thing. So that's, we start there, at least I start there with giving ourselves the freedom to say, okay, we may not understand everything hundred percent, but the beauty of digital is that you can test these things relatively quickly. So you can figure out what you don't know relatively quickly without, you know, massively impacting uh, your brand or from a cost perspective. It's not like it was, you know, 15 years ago, even, you know, if you, you printed a brochure or or a new catalog and sent it out, that's it, you're done. So if it doesn't work, that the money's gone and it's a long tail uh, uh, journey to figure out whether it worked or not. We're in this digital space and all these new digital tools, you can play around and test. And so for, for us, we, we give ourselves some freedom to do that. Um, at the same time, yeah, offset with being okay with bringing in uh, consultants and, and agencies who can help us with that, um, even those agencies who aren't necessarily charity-based. And I think that's a something new for us in the charitable space, not-for-profit space. We've always felt like, well, if you don't know charity, I probably can't engage with you. You won't know our business. Mm-hmm. But I think digital cuts across a lot of that. And as long as you know who you are and you know your business, you can engage with lots of different uh, experts out in the field. So it's that and yeah, constant being a constant learning posture. 
Well, and even as you say, I mean, at, at its most basic level, we're not talking about something even, you know, highly technical. Uh, you know, if you don't know how to use Instagram or you're inexperienced with making Instagram yeah. posts, it's a simple test, A-B test. Yeah. It's a simple like, well, I'm going to post something and see if people respond right. to it. It's as basic. The data can be co- quite complex yeah. or it can be quite simple. Like, did anyone like this? Totally. Did anyone comment on the yeah. picture? Did anybody care? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then I posted another picture and people really did engage with that. And so, you know, even for someone who doesn't have a huge amount of tech resource uh, in their team, even at the most, you know, kind of basic levels, you can learn. It is, as you say, the cost of entry is yep. low. So you can kind of learn as you go and take some 100%. risks. Are you a risk of, are you a risk friendly person by nature? Yeah. Do you like, do you like that part of yeah, the game? <laughs> to- absolutely. Cause I think it's the only way that you, you find out just how far you can go and, and uh, pursue uh, deeper engagement with people and drive things forward. I think you have to take risks. I think those, there's more than enough examples of organizations who haven't taken those risks they could have and, and now find themselves highly irrelevant. Um, and I think, too, mm. wow. it, as you were talking, it's it's not only just that it's so easy to, to enter some of these new channels, if you will, digital channels. I think the other thing that we've talked a lot about is expanding you know, what success looks like as well. It's no longer just the conversion or the acquisition which is very traditional in the, in the charitable space, you, you know, brand awareness is a real thing and to be okay with uh, Mm, realizing you got to get in front of more people. And the only way to do that is go find them. And the only way to do that is to test some of these things out and see if those, if those folks are there and if your message is sticky. And so um, as we talk about this, we're kind of dancing around the reality of the pandemic and how it's changed so much, but in your team or or maybe broader in the charity space how has how has stuff changed yeah. this year uh, in 2020 what has what has shifted in the charity world uh, t- i mean you know as as you know it anyways from your yeah, perspective I, I think the key thing is i you know i don't want to underplay in any way or shape or form the impact obviously covid has had on people domestically and globally but i think what it's done in our space is just accelerated what we knew was coming um, we had the luxury of, of finding your own timing to get into the digital space and to accelerate all your digital engagement pieces. Um, I mean, at a, at a cost, of course, uh, as others went faster than you. And, you know, and, you know, March hit, and then within two weeks, the world changed. And all of a sudden, you know, you didn't have the luxury of waiting anymore. You were there. And so you had to just react and, and mm-hmm. figure it out. And, uh, you know, as a point of pride, I think the way our team responded to that uh, with a sense of, okay, you know, let's, let's hunker down and figure this out. Whether it was supporting staff, figuring out how to work from home, who are used to working in a building to, yeah, engaging with people. And the biggest challenge I think that's hit all of us is just how noisy and, and crowded the digital space got within the, in the course of like two months, everybody was trying to tell their story, Mm. um, an ever changing story of their work from a charity perspective, as well as, uh, you know, in the for-profit space. So, you know, that's been, I think the biggest challenge is how do you figure out the right way to, to have your voice heard in a, in an effective way and not in a, in kind of a a cheapened, 
salesy way to, if I can use that, no offense to anybody who's in sales, but you don't, you don't want to come across as just trying to sell something. You want to tell good stories. Um, and so I think that's been probably the biggest change mm, is just yeah. how fast we've had to, to evolve getting in those spaces and telling that story differently. Yeah, it's true. Uh, you know, I, I think about the challenges of, you know, in the beginning, if you had an online, if you pivoted to do an online event, for yeah. example, from an in-person event, um, I think that in, in my own world, I've seen traction with that. And then as as the summer waned on of 2020, and, you know, sometimes summer is just harder anyways, but um, the the what I've been hearing from organizations I've worked with is there just there wasn't as much traction. Yeah. Um, people were getting exhausted and didn't what didn't want anymore. Yeah, so true. <laughs> um, and and did you did you find that? I mean, you've it's, it sounds like you've had to make pivot and then a pivot yep. and maybe another pivot if that's the word. Totally, of the year. totally. And it's um, and, and there's there's yeah, I think there's fatigue in the marketplace because we're all throwing you know trying these new things and and hitting the same. <laughs> 30 million people in Canada with all these uh, incredible opportunities, but you can only process so many in your head before your head explodes. Um, <clears throat> but also internally, like the innovation's hard, right? And to be innovative, even, you know, in a small way within the context of who you are, it's tiring, especially if you're not used to it. And so I think that fatigue combined with the external fatigue, yeah, you hit, we hit June, July and people are like, Oh, when is this going to be done? <laughs> but Coming out of the yeah. summer, as you know, in the last certainly for us in the last you know month or two, there's now this new energized feeling that okay, this is the new normal, obviously, and um, we can kind of get excited again about trying some different things. But again, I think it's recognizing and realizing you're face to face. Like if you're used to in person events, there's a response rate that you're used to getting in face to face that just doesn't exist digitally, like not even close. And that alone, helping organizations understand that, that you just have to be okay with the fact that those response rates are going to drop digitally. doesn't mean they're zero, but you have to just recognize that and then, yeah, uh, pivot and get used to, you know, it's it, the sales cycle. Again, we don't like that word, but the sales cycle is longer in the digital space. You, you're going to go on a longer journey with people before you get that moment of, of uh, transition to where they partner with you. And that you got to be okay with that and find ways to, to keep that story going. Hmm, that, that's really interesting because you talked about um, earlier the idea of the long tail of um, a print yeah. piece. Um, maybe you send out, you know, I, I think with compassion, like the gift catalog. Right. Um, that's a this beautiful printed magazine. There's a digital version as well, um, but this, you know, printed magazine that's delivered to my house. Uh, my parents get it. You know, lots of people get this magazine. It's for years we've had this come to our door. Um, and you talk about a long tail there, but you're talking about long as well, but different yes. on digital. Like what, what are you seeing as um, some of the nuance of difference? Like, or um, maybe how you need to talk to someone digitally versus in print. What, what are some of the, the, I'm thinking of people who are listening, yeah. who are trying to figure this out too. And they're from small organizations who don't have the Absolutely. resources that you yeah. have. Uh, what are some things that, that just to help them as they're listening? Yeah. I, I, so uh, I'll, I'll get there in a roundabout way. I think with print pieces, again, it's sure. long tail, but you do all the work at the beginning and then out it goes. So you have to put everything in there and you hope that some of it sticks to the point where you, you really, uh, somebody gets connected to it in absence of you. Like, cause you, you, they're there looking at something and you're not there. And so 
Digital is also a long tail uh, relationship, but you have the opportunity to engage. So it's this idea of personalization. So how, what do you know about the people you're interacting with? Um, and that's, there's a whole body of work around that that can get very expensive and, and huge uh, as far as data mining and data science and all these neat words we like to throw around. But in the end, it's do you know the people you're talking to? And if you can know one more thing about them, that can change the way in which you interact with them and you have a conversation with them and engage with them. And that is available to all of us. It's simply finding the right ways to ask. And again, the beauty with digital is that we can test those things relatively easy um, and pivot quickly. So if you have a database of a thousand people, start with 10 of them and try some emails out and see what kind of response mm. you get and track it. And then if that works, like you talked about A-B testing on, um, on social posts, it's the same thing with emails. Try a couple of different approaches with a smaller subset and see what works. And if something works and it seems sticky, great. Expand that out and, and then follow that through. But I think it's, you know, it is long tail, but we have such a wonderful opportunity within the digital space to really get to know the people, which sounds counter counterintuitive. You think digital, I'm, I'm disconnected, I'm not face-to-face, but with so many different ways of engaging through social email, uh, through your two-way websites and all those new, different types of uh, opportunities and tools, you really can get personal with people. You really can. Um, it takes a little bit of work, but it gives you that opportunity. You just said something um, that's a new expression to me, a two-way right. website. Uh, tell us what that is and why we might want yeah, one. I, I probably made that up, but basically I think websites either are stuck. <laughs> I coined it. It's copyrighted here today. It's exciting. No, it's good. Copy yeah. it. Trademark. Yeah. I think it's it's finding ways to your website to to drive a two-way engagement and a two-way conversation. So as opposed to, again, just a, a blanket, here's who we are. I hope you click something or I hope you make the choice. You know, things we talk a lot about voice of the customer and uh, um, uh, customer data and customer feedback loops. You can use your site to provide those. It may not be, you know, Joanne said, but... Giving, giving interactive content on your site um, and, and clear ways that they can add their own voice if they share it or interact with your site um, allows us to, to, again, learn something a little bit more new. So to think about your web properties in a way that's not just so static, uh, it's really hard to gauge over time whether they're effective or not, to use them in a way that you can yeah, create some kind of two-way interaction with your, with your supporter base. You know, I, I like what you said about not static. I think one of the big learnings I had in many years of working in church ministry was just uh, how, so I mean, working in a local church, I still do church ministry, but in a different way now. And and uh, just, just how often a website needs to be changed, yeah. tweaked, evolved, um, as you say, new pages, um, special highlight features, yeah. you know, interactive stuff. Um, it, it viewing it not like set it and forget That's, it, but really a living. Or maybe there are some pages. I mean, it, the about me yeah. section is probably not going to change every yeah, month, yeah. but um, your vision and mission statement are probably the same. But but there's a lot of pages that need to have life to them, and they yeah. need um, movement yeah. or or kind of constant yeah. um maybe it's the metaphor of a garden you know pruning and garden and you know weeding and all that yeah stuff. and connecting it connecting that digital element or property or engagement tool uh your website with your social media 
with if you're doing ads, like making sure that they, they align really well together. Um, that's the heart of experience design. And I think that's such an important piece. And, and again, it's becoming easier and easier to do. You have to do a bit of research to find the right technology um, and the right you know platform and all the rest of it. But it's not that hard to have your Instagram feed sitting, you know, rotating over here on the left-hand side column of your page, which then connects back when, you know, we talk about brand awareness, but we rarely talk about brand recall. And that's a big piece of awareness is that, you know, I tell you once who I am, I need to tell you again, probably four or five times before we really get into a relationship and engage. Mm -hmm. So connecting all those pieces, uh, again, is becoming easier and easier now and such a significant part of, of developing that, that connection. Um, yeah, it, it, to me, it's, it's probably the most exciting piece about digital now is that you can bring those things together. And again, test, 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 because it can change. It, you, like, it's not that hard to change. And the impact, the other things. Um, so you like... Sorry, I was going to say... Sorry, go the, ahead. I was going to say the other impact that has, the more you're changing your site, the better response Google is going to have to you. So if you want to rank a little higher when it comes to search engine uh, optimization, you need static pages don't rank. Like they get drop and they drop down and down and down and down in the results. So that's the other element to it as well. I mean, that was just a little nugget right there <laughs> that people can take and apply immediately. Static pages don't rank on Google. They don't show up high on the page. You want the pages that are changing regularly are the ones that Google loves to send people yeah to. and your and your domain in of itself like it'll it'll look at and say okay yeah world made digital is a is a active domain so we'll rank them a little higher in certain content pieces oh that's really interesting um i actually i mean there's so much to learn about seo um maybe i don't know if this is your area of expertise um <laughs> maybe this is where you pull in uh you know that's where you pull in the consultancy and all that kind of stuff but as you continue to talk you've had this interesting merge recently which is one of the reasons i wanted to have you on the podcast there's so much to talk about in the charity space around digital because 2020 has changed uh reality yeah for so many of us and the work that we do um, and then how we interact with clients, customers, congregation members, whichever we're talking to. But you have, have done it. They've made an interesting choice of compassion of merging a marketing department and then a digital department. And you have this new thing called marketing and digital growth that you're overseeing. Um, I mean, digital could probably fall in a few different categories. Um, you could merge digital with a few other, you could marry it to a few other departments. Yeah. Um, but why was it connected to marketing? Like, why has this merge happened? Basically, you know, as much as you can speak of it, I, I'm curious about the strategy yeah. here of why this decision was made. Yeah, I think it's a few things. We we have a multi-year strategy, and one of the goals we have is it adopt, to adopt a learning and innovative mindset which is the way we talk about digital transformation. Huh. So we've chosen not to just say we want to digitally transform because that's incredibly buzzy and can mean a million different things. But we want to kind of anchor that to this idea of fostering internally a learning and innovative mindset. So because of that, we, we look at the way, you know, what we do is basically try to engage Canadians in our work, of course. And all of that growth is going to happen through down digital digital channels. So the way we tell our story, 
uh, the way we express our brand, the way we engage with people uh, directly, as opposed to face-to-face and and, in church settings, which is is massively important uh, and will augment that work. Um, But we recognize if we're really going to digitally become more digitally mature, in our organization, what we need to do is make sure that the growth comes from the digital piece and directly tied to who we are, the content we put out, the message we put out, and the way in which we express our mission and vision. And so it made, to, to us at least, it made a lot of sense to combine those two things um, as we center ourselves on being a more uh, neighbor cent. We use neighbor instead of customer, a neighbor centric uh, organization. We know that digital and marketing have to be dovetailed together. They can't be two uh, separate units that are, you know, siloed, but you can put all the process you want in place, but we want them to be, you know, t- fully dovetailed together so that as we look a- look towards uh, in- continuing to engage with people with our message, that we, that digital is top of mind. And that's hard. I think that's hard for organizations, uh, certainly larger ones, because it's we've elevated digital to a point now where I think there's sometimes a fear to say, well, hold on, Leo, is that team going to now do everything? Are they, you know, quote unquote, more important? And it's not the point at right. all. Rather that we want to position them well to support and enable everything else in the organization. Hmm. Well, you know, and I think uh, anyone who's familiar with, with compassion uh as a brand would think of compassion as an organization that does live yeah. in-person events um, really yeah, well that's right. <laughs> that, you know, I can think of a time where in Toronto I was in like our largest, uh, you know, sports stadium and there was a Hillsong concert and compassion was there. Um, beautiful, meaningful videos were shown, you know, the Hillsong guys talked about their, their experience locally, like on the ground with compassion, seeing the work and then invited others to engage. And, um, you know, I would imagined it was, you know, there must've been, uh, 20,000 people. I don't know. I'm terrible at numbers. There were, <laughs> lots. you know, at least 10,000 <laughs> people at this event. There were lots of people there. And therefore I would assume you have a, again, if we talk data, there would be a, a sense of if this many people are in the room, this is what we can yep. expect as a result in terms of child sponsorship. Um, and that's gone. Like that whole revenue thing currently yep. anyways, it's, it's thrown out the window. And, and so now, um, you know, in the same way for, I'm thinking of people listening, um, um, who their primary way of, of getting donations was on a Sunday morning, passing a plate in church or, um, and maybe they had online, but it wasn't the emphasis, right. the same for compassion. Yeah. You had yeah. online, it just wasn't the, uh, the leading edge. Um, so, you know, <laughs> uh, it makes sense as you're saying this digital and marketing that they just, they go together, mm-hmm. um, um, that was the the pivot you need to make. But I'm thinking too about just, you know, how to apply this to other organizations. What what are you seeing working out there? Maybe even outside of a charity space. Is there is there anything that you're looking to that you're sort of like, oh, that's something we can learn from? Are there any um, organizations that you admire or are excited about or just something that we can look to as a case yeah. study uh, that we should check out? Yeah, I mean, there's it's, it's hard to find good charitable um, – examples not because they don't exist i just don't know them um but yeah but it is more the uh for me the examples to look are like somebody like a spotify now we don't 
we don't create software. So it seems a bit of a strange uh, example. But if you look at the storyline of Spotify and how they've created their internal environment and have constantly been in change, and they're okay with change, um, in order to tell a better story, to get their product out quicker, faster, and to, to in really engage with, with the user. Like we all, in the last week, if you have Spotify, you got your 2020 wrapped. And now, you know, Instagram and, and uh, Twitter are exploding with everybody sharing, here's what I listen to. Like, that's all a result of them internally saying, how do we better work together and test and try some different things to engage our user base deeper? To me, they're one of the greatest examples you can look to. Mostly because they put they put their their themselves out there and say here's how we're organized and then two months later go yep that didn't work so that's okay we're going to change and and try something different <laughs> they embrace it they really do and I yeah. think it's it's incredible um, so I think it's again in order to succeed in this digital space right now certainly right now uh, and in the future will be be willing to to be bold and risky you know you asked earlier. You know, am I a risk taker? Am I, or am I risk adverse? I, I'm very much a risk taker. That doesn't mean reckless. There's a difference, but you have to be bold and take some risks. And digital just gives you a safe place to do that because you can pivot relatively quickly. So, uh, yeah, the Spotify's of the world, um, Southwest, I think, is a really good example if you look them up. Um, he'll. Oh yeah, what's going on with Southwest uh, again? A, um, you mean in terms of like just with um, pandemic and nobody flying? Have they done something? No, I just mean that from an innovation perspective, the way they kind of organize themselves and power their staff over time. Okay, uh, they're right, a really, right. really neat example of that. Um, some of the hotel chains, I think, have done some really interesting things. Hilton's done some really neat things during the pandemic in the way they're telling their story. Uh, even Sobeys, like here in Canada, if you if you take a step back and, and look at the storyline of Sobeys during the pandemic, the way they talked about themselves. Which is a grocery, grocery store, store sorry, yep. if people don't know it. Sobe, yeah, Sobeys a grocery yeah. store. Um, you know, again, they've, they've tried some different ways to tell their story, to encourage people to engage for them, mm -hmm. come in the store and buy food. But to, to, to share this a sense of safety and a sense of concern, all of those things I think are, are just – excellent examples to, to using the digital space to tell a different story, even though you're the same people, you're the same organization. I think that's the, the greatest examples that we can, we can look to right now. Well, that's interesting when you mentioned Sobeys and, and you're talking about this grocery store chain and, and they're expressing a sense of concern. Mm -hmm. um, can you speak to that a little bit in terms of the charitable space where, or, and compassion where there's this delicate situation where people the the economy has yeah. changed so you're inviting people to participate in um huge needs around the world i want i would love you to to share a little bit more about what's going on uh but but doing that in light of <laughs> you know people have lost jobs yeah. um people are stressed and anxious or they've maybe they haven't lost their job but they've had reduced income in some ways or they're feeling vulnerable to losing their job in the future because of the change yeah. um how do you how do you uh, do that? Yes, yeah. it's hard. It's hard, and I think it's you know the best thing that we can do. I mean, always, but right now, the best thing we can do is just be honest and recognize and 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 say it right out of the gate. We get it. <laughs> We're all suffering through this. This is probably the first time in history where the impact domestically and an impact uh, globally is while not at the same scale, there is an impact. 
and what's affecting me is affecting people around the world. Um, and I think it's it. what's really important is for us to recognize it. And in your storytelling and in your communications, uh, just recognizing that people are there um, and, while still helping to, to illustrate wherever you serve, here's the need. Um, I think it's it, it's going to be significant. And for those of us who are working, you know, in international development, um, helping people understand the this that this has really pushed back a whole bunch of success that we've had over the last you know twenty years. It's pushed back uh, global poverty levels uh, going backwards instead of forwards where we've been going. Um, and at the same time, in telling that story, I think we have to remind people there is hope. Uh, that we will get through this. We really will. Uh, you know, over the course of mankind's history, we see that we've responded in real effective ways. Um, and it's hard and it's difficult, but we will get through it. I think hope is a big piece to any of our storytelling. Um, and, and yeah, meeting people where they're at and allowing them and listening and, and engaging in real good conversation. I think for us to hear people say, I'd love to, to support sponsor another child or give to that, that disaster relief, um, cause, but I'm just, you know, I just lost my job or, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get to go back to work. I think sitting and just recognizing that and hearing it is so important, um, just in general to support people, but also to show that, um, that you care. So, I mean, then before, just because we're already kind of circling uh the topic tell us a little bit what is going on here we are it's december 2020 whenever people are listening to this um this has been a crazy year for all of us yeah. but it's also been you know magnified around the world in terms of people who are poor <laughs> people who don't have as much economic resource yeah. um or a safety net are now even in kind of a worse situation so tell us tell us a little bit about what's going on because i don't think that people know yeah. uh what's really going on <laughs> yeah i mean it's it, it's it's heartbreaking um to see to see the impact that it's had and continues to have um some of the developing world has, has been a bit slower like they're a, a couple months behind usually from where we're at with covid so we're in our second wave now i think we officially say that um you know that'll hit the developing world probably in a couple of months likely um even though this virus is changing often and, and there's no guarantees, but you've seen, yeah, you've seen global poverty levels go back. And it's for me, the thing that's uh, both heartbreaking, but also an opportunity for organizations like ourselves and many others to come alongside is, you know, kids in, in homes where maybe dad, you know, had just got some training and was just starting to make some income. And there was, so there was a sense of hope in that child's life. And now dad's lost the job or mom's lost the job. Um, and they're back to where they felt they were before. So I think this sense of anything we can do to bring a sense of hope in, in, in their lives and come alongside them, not only with the tangible needs, which are certainly there, uh, food insecurity is a real thing now and the lack thereof, hygiene, medical care, all those things now are amplified once again. And we need to come alongside and do that. And Compassion's been through the support of, 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 of donors around the world and certainly in Canada. You know, seven, seven million, over 7 million food packs have been distributed through Compassion so far. Four, over 4.5 four million hygiene kits. We've given, uh, assisted more than 438,000 individuals with medical care. All of these things have, have 
met them in their need. But at the same time, what you don't want to lose sight of is coming alongside them emotionally, which is what, what we love about our, our program is finding ways to, to do that. Again, it's hard now because where you know, churches that we partnered with could bring kids in and sit with them. Now they can't. And so, you know, you talk about digital, there's also this digital transformation required in even how we deliver program. Um, but then the need is real. The need is significant. And, and, and add into that all these natural disasters in, in South America that have the devastated regions. Uh, it just amplifies, amplifies the need in a real significant way. And political, yeah. Yeah. you know, insecurity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we've talked on this podcast, you know, before about what's going on in South America and, you know, huge migration of people yeah. across borders <laughs> uh, because of political unrest and now a uh, pandemic, you know, on top of yeah. that, um, it's the, it's sort of a pile, a pile on, totally. um, yeah. you know, of, you know, multiple issues all at once. Yeah. And that's why, um, do you feel, uh, you know, just, oh, sorry. I was just wondering, um, uh, do you feel uh, overwhelmed by it at times? I mean, for us then, as people who are hearing these stories, I mean, you live in them yeah. <laughs> uh, every day. You have your job is to tell us about these stories. Um, um, but how do you carry those? I, mean, mm. I guess I'm trying to be a bit more personal about it, Mike. Yeah. You know, it's it's a huge thing that you're part yeah. of. Uh, it can be overwhelming. It, it can. Um, and what I think what carries me through is the stories of hope that we do get to see. Um, and I have an inside track on those and we're mm -hmm. trying to share more of those externally as well. But um, where you hear from a, you hear about a pastor who, whose church is closed, uh, who's not allowed to meet and greet with people, but, you know, figures out WhatsApp in order to engage with, you know, at least one more, you hear him say, if I can engage with at least one more kid huh. and just come alongside him. Like when you hear about people who are like in the middle of it, on the ground, desperate for any yeah. any way to give hope to these kids, like that that gives me hope. That give that charges me up. I mean, if it, I'm not sitting in the middle of it, I'm not I'm not in I'm not you know I don't sit in poverty. I just don't. I'm, I'm well established. I have a, a home. Um, so if I can hear somebody like that who's who's giving everything to be able to to meet these kids where they're at, that is what carries me through. Um, and, and we're starting to get more and more of those. It took a while to get some of those stories just because communication was cut, uh, cause program, everything stopped, right? Nobody could go anywhere, but as those yeah, start right. to come out, I think it's important for us to recognize. I think you can focus on the, the doom of it too much. Um, and that does get you down, but hearing some stories of hope and of people kind of doing extraordinary things for, for, for their fellow man is, uh, is what really kind of charges me up and, and keeps me uh, hopeful. You know, when, and a question that I, I hadn't thought to ask, but as I'm hearing, you know, you're talking about how, you know, a pastor locally might be using WhatsApp or whatever. Or what, what's the, I mean, it's a general question, but is there challenges because um, there isn't enough digital access at like in a developing area or do you find that every, they all got cell phones and everybody's, you know, communicating, you know, my, I, I think of, you know, people getting cell phones before the, you know, they were working to get phone lines in landlines in to all these remote places. And then the cell phone towers ended up speeding that yeah. up that. Um, so are you finding that people, you may, they may not have much, but they have access to a phone or something to communicate. Um, 
digitally or are they digital natives as well? Like, you know, around the world, like we are. Yeah. And it, it depends on the region, of course, uh, certainly and the context, but yeah, the technology is more available, I think, than we think sometimes. And it's, it's finding ways to leverage it. It's not that un- unsimilar to what we spent the first half of our conversation about, um, about using digital and using technology in a way to, to meet the needs that are there. So, you know, there's real needs of, you know, welfare checkups to making sure kids are okay and families okay, providing counseling, tutoring, uh, encouragement, and all those things. So you see staff and church partners uh, with compassion really trying to explore how do we use cell phones? Yeah, how do we use WhatsApp, social media, texting, radio, um, all of those, exploring those. That's digital transformation at its at its most beautiful core where these guys who aren't necessarily, um, you know, executive directors of digital growth, but are just there in the field going, okay, (laughs) I got this thing in front of me, my phone, how can I use this? And, and you know what they're doing? They're testing and they're trying and they're finding out ways that, that they can use it, use the technology to do a little bit more each day. And again, I think that's, that it's such a beautiful thing to see. And again, it gives me, hope when I hear about things like that, it it allows me to say, okay, the work we're doing is that important. If I can empower that guy to try something else tomorrow and he can make two more calls or three more calls and connect with two or three more kids to give them some hope, that's worth any challenge I may have today in figuring out social media challenges or (laughs) content strategies or the things that we somehow seem are, are so difficult. Okay, so you know maybe as a closing question, um, and and you know if you, I, I hope you'll be, I hope you'll be direct and maybe even blunt about it. You know when you think of the charity playbook, and you think of hmm. a lot of, you know, a lot of organizations are a bit more than a bit outdated, yeah. stuck in the past. You know, but what needs to be thrown out of the playbook? If I can use the metaphor of a playbook, what needs to be thrown out? What's outdated thinking? It's, we got to stop doing it, cut our losses and move yeah. on. <laughs> What's dead? I, in, in the most general term, uh, anything you've written in pen. And what I mean by that is we, we've gone into, the, huh. in the charitable space especially, we are behind the times. And I say this all the time, it gets me in trouble. But we are. We're, we're, we're slower to adoption uh, in this digital space. And we assume that we can create something, create a plan, create a playbook, write it in pen, laminate it stick it in a binder, paint it on the wall. And that's our plan for the next eight months. And we're so stubborn sometimes mm. to be unwilling to be more iterative, to be more agile. Um, that, that needs to go like that mindset just needs to be eradicated as quickly as possible. Um, so mm. that you you're, we're testing the most relevant opportunities to engage with people because the causes in the charitable space, the things, the reasons why we exist are that important for us to hold tightly to long-term plans um, needs to change immediately. And the sooner we do that, the more, the sooner we can uh, drive uh, newer ways of engaging and, and really see, I think much better, much better results. So that and our risk register has to drastically change. We are so risk adverse and I get it mm. because, you know, if I spend a hundred dollars over here, that takes it from the field. I understand that, but I can tell you from my perspective, I support organizations so that they're relevant in five and 10 years from now, not today, not just today. And so yeah. we have to be willing yeah. to take some risks in order to be more relevant and more effective. I think those are the two biggest things. Um, that if they don't change, we're going to get passed by so fast. 
Yeah. And I worry about our space if we don't get there, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, you know, I think of, you know, that the challenge of the, the generational challenge, mm-hmm. you know, of the, the seniors who are these faithful givers who have um, probably letter, letter writing was the way to get yeah. money, maybe, a, you know, ads on TV, you know, people don't even have TV anymore. Yeah. <laughs> people don't write checks very in the younger generations. People aren't writing checks. It's, you know, credit card donation or whatever. Um um, you know, and there is this challenge of, as you say, like, well, if I write these, if we write this letter, we know that the seniors mm-hmm. are going to give, we can predictably understand that they're going to give money. And we don't know if we spend the same amount of time in our work week trying to try something new digitally. We don't know what the result That's right. Um, yeah. But you're saying if you don't try, yeah. <laughs> you're going to die. Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think you have to support your current uh, support your current supporters well. And those are the, for most charities in Canada, they're older. Um, and so they're still writing checks. You know, it's funny to say they're still on Facebook. Even Facebook is becoming, you know, irrelevant in a lot of ways. So you need, still need to support them, but you need to build for the supporter of the future, which is not on Facebook, which is not writing checks. Those people are in different spaces and want to be more engaged, want a two-way conversation uh, the trust is built in a different way. Once you built trust with some of the older generation, you got it and you had it. And as long as you put out your annual report and you respond and let them know the impact annually of their giving, they'll keep giving. Um, where the younger generation and certainly the next generation following are want more constant interaction. They want to partner, like truly partner. And so that means two-way. That means engaging with them in new and exciting ways, allowing them in, co-creating products. Like who would have thought of that 10 years ago? All of those elements. Wow. So I think you need to support those you have now, but understand you're building for a different supporter base in five to 10 years. And if we don't start now, again, we're going to be irrelevant relatively quickly. Right, right. Well, and and of course, not just irrelevance of an organization, it's the, the idea that the the heart behind these organizations, yeah. all of these, all of the work that we're doing is because it's about real people <laughs> and real need in the world. Exactly. Um, you know, whether that's, you know, spiritual, physical, emotional, the, the, re, the need is huge. And so um, it's not about our, the name of the founder of the organization and making sure they live on right. forever. It's, it's really about the work of the charity, the work of the church. Exactly. In, the world. And so the change matters not for our names, not for the name of the, some brand. Uh, it's because of the people that we're serving. 100%. 100%. And yeah. Mike, any any last word, um, you know, to encourage, to encourage people who are listening, most people listening, not all, are working in communications, digital, creative within this charity space. Uh, how would you encourage them today in this whirlwind of a year as it comes to it? Yeah. Name? I mean... It, I would say, you know, you got to keep on keeping on and and recognize this is a season uh, that we're going through. But it, in spite of the challenges, there's so much opportunity and get connected, connect to each other. Um, you know, something like a LinkedIn or some other, I think LinkedIn's maybe one of the better ones and really engage and start educating yourselves and uh, be in conversation. Ask lots of good questions of people. If you're a smaller charity, reach out to some larger charities um, and, and ask for some support and help. We've, you know, Allison, who is our 
CEO and president has always encouraged us. If we can come alongside and support some of these smaller domestic charities or global charities, um, just with ideas and, and conversation, why wouldn't we? That's part of the gift that we can give mm-hmm. in doing our ministry. So that that would be my strong, strong encouragement is get connected and, and, and learn somehow to take some more risks than you're taking today. Awesome. Mike, I am, uh, I feel challenged and inspired by what you're saying. Um, I love that you're a risk taker. Um, again, not reckless, but risk taking for the sake of important work that you're doing. Um, I'm excited to see what happens. I mean, I mean, what we're talking about and in this conversation is, is in some ways even just related to this podcast, Word Made Digital, because um, for a number of seasons now, Compassion has been a partner with me. And it's been really um, amazing to get closer to the work and mm-hmm. to see what's going on and to meet a lot of the team that you work with and just great people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're just such good people over there at Compassion. Uh-huh. And, um, and, you know, to be closer to the need uh, myself and to, you know, have the privilege of sharing that with people here. Um, but as you say, it's um, it's not a hard, I don't know, pitch is is not even the word you probably use, but it's, it's not a hard sell. Um, it's getting people familiar with who you are as an organization so that when the time comes, yeah. um, they might have trust for you. That's right. And, you know, my hope too on this podcast is to help people build trust with and relationship with compassion um, over the longer term. And I'm just grateful. Uh, I'm grateful to be part of it. It's um, meaningful, exciting, um, important work. So thanks so much, Mike, and, and just your whole team. Uh, I'm learning from your team um, and uh, and just can't wait to see what you do in 2021. Yeah, it works. All the te- you do all the tests and I'll just learn from them. <laughs> fair enough. That's, that's fair. Hey, we're, we're, we're super excited to be partnering with you too and uh, love what you're doing and, and come alongside uh, any way that we can. Um, yeah, some neat things are happening. Some neat things are happening in this space in Canada, and and it's exciting to be part of it. So we appreciate you as well. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Thanks so much, Mike, for the insights, the wisdom. Just uh, I learned so much sitting in this conversation with him, and I hope that you did too, both about tech and digital and what we all need to do, but also about how that's affecting the charity space. Now, if you want to give to Compassion, if you're inspired by what's going on in that conversation and what's going on around the world, go to compassion.ca slash gifts. There's a link down in the show notes if you want to click on that because there's all kinds of opportunities you can give right now at Christmas time for yourself. If you want to give your own donation or you want to do it on behalf of someone you want to give a gift to, there's all kinds of ways you can do something tangible for our brothers and sisters who have huge need right now. We'd love for you to be part of it. Would you join us? It would be a real honor to have you be part of that with us. Also, Thanks, of course, also to Wycliffe College, who is sponsoring this as well. WycliffeCollege.ca slash WordMadeDigital is where you can go find all kinds of information about the school, maybe even why I chose it, and see if it's a right fit for you. But also, regardless of that, they want to send you some free swag, so why not reach out to them and say hello, let them know you were there, and they will send you some fun stuff in the mail. Next up on the podcast to end the year and you know go into New Year's with a little COVID sparkle, I'm going to be talking to an actual magician. We've never had a magician on this show. And we're going to be talking to Harris III. He's um, a real life magician or an illusionist. And we're going to be talking about magic and wonder and performing. So it's going to be a fun and 
wonder-filled conversation. I hope you join us for that. If not, I will see you on the Facebook group, Digital Church Facebook group. I will catch you in the Word Made Digital tutorials, and I will see you on the next episode of Word Made Digital Podcast. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. If you like this content, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Rate it and share this episode with your friends. Head over to wordmadedigital.com for more free tools and helpful content for creatives and communicators. We love helping you communicate the best news in the world.